if you've ever blown it in any way. How many of you have ever had people in your life blow it? Okay, <laughs> then, okay, then I'm talking to the right people. Okay, so um, I'm going to open in prayer. We're going to read 1 Peter 3, and then we're going to move into Genesis 12 through Genesis 21. Don't worry, we're not going to read the whole thing, but um, we are going to briefly whiz through that. So, 1 Peter 3. No, 1. Yes. In the same way, wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And I think the NIV says reverent. Reverent, I love that word, reverent. Your adornment not must be merely external, braiding the hair and putting gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For this is the way in former times the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husband. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is the woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. To sum up, all of you should be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. We're not going to really look at that passage too much. I'm going to open in prayer. Did I open in prayer? Yeah. See, you can tell I'm sick, right? Okay. Well, Father, we love you with all of our hearts, and we want to walk away tonight changed by being in your word, Lord. We want you to encourage us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to motivate us, to challenge us. We want to grow closer to you. So I pray that you would give us a word to hold in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so I just want you to notice this in 1 Peter 3. Sarah is called beautiful because she has a gentle and quiet spirit and because she's reverent. But Sarah was also quite, quite gorgeous on the outside, too. And we're going to see that as we look at the passage. But what God commends here was her inner beauty and what he saw through her circumstances. And as we look at her circumstances, I will I think you're going to go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe she had to put up with that. And then you're going to see her put her hope in God. And that's what this passage says, that she put her hope in God. It doesn't say Abraham was a great husband, does it anywhere here? So not that he was terrible, but we are going to look at some of the things. So, okay, you ready? All right, Genesis 12. Okay, um, now the Lord said to Abram, this is Genesis 12, verse 1, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, 
and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now before we get to Genesis 12, we have Abraham's father Terah actually leave where he was living. And if, you th if I had a map here of the area where they lived, this is kind of the fertile crescent here and Ur. And then all the way up here is where he went. And then Abraham is leaving here and coming around here. And eventually it's going to go down here into Egypt. All this area in between is desert. And that's why it was kind of, it wasn't like Terah was running away from God. He was just on his way around. So God probably spoke a word to Terah and said, hey, here's my plan. Terah only made it halfway. Abraham went with Terah. But when Terah died, God calls him and he sets out and he actually leaves his um, brother, but he does take his wife, Sarah, and he does take Lot. So, and we're going to, um, so go forth from your country and from your relatives, blah, blah, blah. So verse four, so Abram went forth as God had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Now, Abraham was 75 years old. So I'm 55. And if God said to me, leave your home, take your wife, my husband, leave your home, I would go, oh, I'm 75. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I have aches and pains, and I'm sure they did. And, you know, this is not a young person. He's five years younger than Moses, but they, those guys were old, you know. So Abraham is about 10 years younger. Sarah is 10 years younger than Abraham, so she's about 65. So Abraham takes them all, and all the uh, and and the persons they had acquired in Haran, which is the place that Terah had gone halfway, and they set out for the land of Cana. Thus they came to the land of Cana. Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, "To your descendants I will give this land." So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev, Negev, Negev desert near Egypt. So here is Abram. God appears to him and says, I'm going to give you all this land, all your descendants. I'm going to give your descendants this land. And I'm sure he told Sarah, and Sarah probably thought, what descendants? I'm 65. I've never had a baby. Right? So that promise seems very far away for her. Very far away. We don't know if Abram and Sarah were together or if God just appeared to Abram. Now here comes one of Abram's favorites, famous, you know, protective mode situations. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. It came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. 
So right there, you're Sarai. How do you feel? Are you angry yet? It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. So, Sarah's 65, she's taken by the king of the land. She's very, very beautiful. I mean, you know, <laughs> so... But imagine how she feels inside. So what's she going to do? So First Peter 3 tells us she's going to put her hope in God. Right? Because Abram right now <laughs> is not <laughs> a good one to put her hope in. So, therefore, he treated Abram well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. But the Lord, but the Lord. And I want you to remember that phrase the next time someone does you dirty just remember that but the lord but the lord but the lord struck pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of sarai abram's wife then pharaoh called abram and said what is this you have done to me why did you not tell me that she was your wife why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh commended, commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him with his wife and all that belonged to him. So they gave him the escorted leave out of the building like you see on TV when someone loses their job. They gave him them <laughs> the escorted exit from the city from the country, goodbye, see you, why would you not tell me? In all this, we see Sarah trusting God, okay? Genesis 13, so Abram went up from Egypt to Negev, to the Negev, that's the desert, he and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot was with him. And it goes on in Genesis 13 and it talks about how Abram and Lot are so wealthy by now and they have so many herds that it's hard for them all to get along and all to graze together. So Abram says to Lot, you decide which way you want to go and I'll go the other way. And there's so much about Lot <laughs> when you go through this passage. So what, you know, Lot was selfish and he took the best land you know if if I were Lot and my uncle said which way will you go I would probably leave the best for Abram but God protected Abram because where did Lot go he pitched his tents near Sodom right um so now God says to Abram now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that anyone can number the dust of the earth. Then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. So, of course, Hebron 
I immediately think of David, but we're not going to go there. So Abraham is there, and Abraham is given the promise again. And he's told, you're going to have all these descendants, but of course, there are no children. The next thing that happens is there's a war between the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and some other kings. And um, the they took Abram. Well, I just... Yeah, I want to read this verse because I find it so interesting. Verse 11, Genesis 14. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. So by now, Lot's already living in Sodom. Lot's already there, and that's a whole other teaching. But I think God was saying to Lot, Hello, Sodom is not a good place. Get out. But of course... Abram goes to the rescue. He takes all his men. They go. They fight them. They rescue them. They bring everyone back. And now Abram is, um, after his his return, um, this is Genesis 14, verse 17. Then after his return from the defeat of Shedor Leomar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shava. That is the king's valley. So here's the king of Sodom, and we know what Sodom is like, right? So here comes, and that probably the Lord was already beginning the judgment on Sodom. So here comes the king of Sodom. Now, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So here he has the devil king <laughs> and the priest of the most high God. Isn't that interesting? And they in the passage, it goes back and forth. So you know that they're both there at the same time. He gave a tenth of all. And then, then the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and on on earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours. For fear you would say, I've made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. And he, he goes on. So Abram's tested in that moment. I mean, can you think of a, of a greater test side one give me a tenth of everything you have side two all the booty (laughs) from the fight that you fought and the men that you rescued and yet abram in this situation passed the test and he said i will take nothing from the king of sodom and he gives melchizedek who is a forerunner of the priesthood of Jesus, he gives him a tenth of everything that he has. So how does that apply to Sarah? You know, was she there? Because many times wives went with their husbands when they went to battle, because battles weren't short like they are now. They didn't have fighter jets that took off and went to the other side of the world. Was she there? Did she see that? Did she participate in it? I have to believe, because God commends her in 1 Peter 3, that she wholeheartedly supported this decision. 
and that she did not want anything along with Abram from the wicked and she wanted to give a tenth of everything to the Lord. So, um, okay. All right, do, do, do. All right. Um, Genesis 15. After all these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. Oh, Lord God, what will you give me since I am childish? (laughs) I'm childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, no one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, of the the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And can we count the stars? No, not even astronomers today. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Now notice he doesn't say he brought him out of Haran. That was like the halfway point. Because he brought him and Sarah all the way from Ur. And it's very interesting. If you read some ancient history books that um, they said some of the ancient history books actually link Abram's father as some kind of um, not servant but uh, like high up court person in Nimrod's Um, but anyway that I mean this isn't in the Bible but it's just kind of interesting to think of all that Um, so that maybe they had to get away because something happened. And um, the history books actually say that Nimrod tried to have Abram killed as a baby, which is kind of interesting, too. But, I mean, that's just history books, and, you know, I want to stick with the Word of God. But it is very interesting that you see God saying, I redeemed you from here, even though it's been a really slow rescue. So Abram... So God says basically to him, don't worry, don't worry. A baby is going to come. It's going to be your own child. It's going to belong to you. In this, in this thing, we don't have a record of him mentioning Sarah. And I'm going to come back and tell you why I think he didn't mention her here. And um, anyway, so... I'll come back to it, though. Now Sarah, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So I just want you to realize, like, Sarah was either there or Abram told her. Th- when you read through this, you get a sense that they're very close, even when you go through the whole Hagar thing. And, and we're going to, I think you're going to see that as we go through these scriptures. So Sarai knew this child was going to be Abram's own child 
Now, with that information, I believe right now, Sarah's going to do a very daughter of Eve thing right now. She is going to be like her grandmother, and she is going to do a daughter of Eve thing by disregarding the biblical righteous principles of God. So, um, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, Genesis 16, verse 1, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai, which was such a big mistake in this moment because the voice of Sarai was asking him to do something that was wrong. After Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. He went into Sarai, Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. I'll keep reading. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. So, I love that because don't we all do that? We create a problem, right? And we blame it on someone else. Now, Abram was wrong, but Sarai cooked up the whole scheme. And then as soon as <laughs> it backfired to really hurt her, I mean, can you imagine? I am sure in her mind she had rationalized that this would be a noble thing. This had to be God's will. This had to be God's will because, you know, the, 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 boy, the boy, the heir, is going to be Abram's own body. And she knows she cannot produce a child. So it has to be God's will for her to manipulate the situation. That's probably what she told herself. It wasn't true. It wasn't true, and it backfired. And the first initial thing that happened, as soon as Hagar was pregnant, she despised her mistress. She despised her. And then Sarai, of course, blamed Abram, just like Adam had blamed Eve. Um, but Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her badly, and she fled from her presence. And I'm not going to go into all that happened with Hagar because the Lord did take care of Hagar and told her to come back and submit to Sarai. And Hagar, I think, had, a, had an opportunity in that time if she would have come back and submitted to Sarai that um, she might have been part somehow and her son of all the blessing. I don't know. But it seems very clear here that Abram ended the relationship with her. And you never get a sense after this that there's any kind of relationship between him and Hagar. And so Sarai was blessed to enjoy the love of her husband. I think that she really was enough for him. And um, although he didn't always appreciate her the way he should have, 
and that I think is a blessing. So um, anyway, for Hagar, poor thing. I mean, Hagar is a whole nother teaching, isn't it? But God did take care of her. And um, Hagar bore Abram a son, Genesis 16, verse 15. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. God was 86 years old. <laughs> God, <laughs> God didn't have an age. Uh, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Genesis 17. So now there's a baby. Now there's a son. Is this the promise? Now when Abram was 99 years old. So I just, I just want you to think about that. 86 to 99. 86 to 99. That means 13 years have gone by. 13 day in and day out of Sarah thinking, I guess this was God's will because nothing more has been said. Have you ever been there? You have a promise. You're waiting on God. And years go by. No one? Anyone? Yes. <laughs> and years go by. And you're saying, you know, I guess, you know, you manipulate. And then you think, okay, I guess, you know, I manipulated things. Now it, this manipulation must be God's will. And then you kind of live out your life in that lie from Satan, not even remembering the promise of God. So, Genesis 17. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, you know, he might be thinking about the Egypt thing. You know, <laughs> well, I don't know. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram <laughs> fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer will your name be Abram, for your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations." God changed Abram's name to Abraham. And that's very significant. When God changes a name, when he changed Simon's name to Peter or Rock, that was very significant when Jesus did that. And so here God is changing Abram's great name. He was already a great man. But he said, you will be greater. You will be a father of a multitude of nations. I'm sure Abram loved Ishmael. But I'm sure he was disappointed that he and Sarai had never had a son. Okay, so God says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And then God gives the covenant of circumcision and the every man in Abraham's household, which is probably thousands because it was enough to raise an army, got circumcised. So I'm sure... <laughs> 
things were a little sore. <laughs> things were a little quiet or mo- just moaning for a few days. Then God said to Abraham, well, I mean, okay, hold it. He's still talking, so they all do that, but this is still the same conversation, sorry. So as for Sarai, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. And she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Even though Sarah took matters into her own hands, God had a call on her life too. And I believe he doesn't mention her name the last time because when God marries people, they become one. And there was no need to mention Sarah's name. Because Abraham should have known, that is who I mean. You, the complete you, your husband, the wife, the husband, the wife. So in spite of what Sarah did, God never forgot her. And the promise extended to her. It didn't just extend to Abraham. So Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And so Abraham is given a promise for his wife, and he is filled with doubt and unbelief for the first time ever. All the other times, Abram believed God, and it was credited to his, him as righteousness. But he had such a hard time believing this. And he had bought in to this lie that somehow Ishmael would work. But Ishmael will never work. Ishmael will never work. And God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, will bear a son, and you shall call him Isaac. And Isaac means what? It means laughter. Yeah, he laughed. So, (laughs) you know, I think that's kind of God's humor. If you ever think, is God funny? (laughs) I give you a promise, you laugh. Now you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him. He laughs. (laughs) So, um, Anyway, he goes on and he says, Sarah, your wife, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him and make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. When he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. God told Abraham that the promise was through Sarah. He changed Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah, and he said that Sarah would be the mother of nations and that kings would come from her. Now keep this in mind. This just happened as we go into the next section. Because she is so close. And so what is the devil going to do? What is the devil going to do? 
try to steal it, right? What does the devil always try to do? Steal the blessing of God, right? Steal the promise of God. Then Abraham took Ishmael. Oh, and then that's when he circumcised everybody. So we won't read about that. So um, the next thing that happens is that uh, angels are going to visit to talk to Sarah or so that she will hear this directly and also to warn him what's going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. So this is Genesis 18. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a w little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And he runs to Sarah and he has her um, fix bread and he um, runs to the herd and he kills a, a, a goat and, and prepares it or a calf, a calf and pr prepares it. And then in verse nine, and they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said there in the tent, God said, or the angel said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door. <laughs> I love that. It's so human, isn't it? The angel's talking to Abram, and she has got to know what's going on. Because, you know, men never actually tell you everything, do they? They kind of <laughs> give you a little summary. <laughs> and God, and God, and Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, S Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself and said, Am I, after I've become old, shall I have the pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? So that was probably pretty embarrassing for her. <laughs> the angel heard me. <laughs> you know, not the servants, but the angel. Is anything too difficult for the Lord. And I want you to say that with me. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is it? Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. And this is what God is going to show Sarah. Because Sarah's life, to this point, I mean, she has had a lot of money, but she has gone through a lot of things. She's made mistakes. But she's also been very faithful in following her husband and the longing of her heart to have a son has been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And um, Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. And that's why you're going to have a son. <laughs> he's going to be named Laughter. <laughs> and then the angels tell Abraham what's what he's going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham bargains with them if they're just ten people, like he starts with you know, goes down, down, down. And finally, you know, God says, of course, but there's not even 10 people. It turns out there were three. And the angel had to pull them out. So we're going to skip all that. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. Now Genesis 20. So now this has just happened. This has just happened. God has told Abraham, the promise is through Sarah. And Sarah's heard it too. So now... Keep all that in mind, Genesis 20. Now Abram journeyed from there toward the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned in Gerar. 
Sarah said of Sarah, his wife. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. Okay, so this <laughs> is again the same thing. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man. Now that is how God takes care of us. Do you understand that? If we put our hope in God, God comes through and says, Behold, you are a dead man. Don't touch her. Now what would have happened if he would have touched her? What, what would happen to Isaac? The baby a year from them would not be Isaac. It would not be Abraham's son. I mean, you have to see that. It's not just that she's put in a position of, you know, not being protected by her husband, but she is put in a position of the devil stealing the promised son. That is very significant very significant but our God is great and our God says if you touch her you will be a dead man to anyone who would harm the Lord's anointed so God came to Abimelech in in the dream of the night and said to him behold you are a dead man because of the woman you have taken for she is married now Abimelech had not come near her and he said Lord will you slay a nation even though blameless did he not himself say to me she's my sister and she herself said, he's my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I've done this. Of course, he probably has a lot more wives than the Lord would want. Then the Lord said to God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that in integrity of your heart, you have done this. And I have also kept you from sinning against me. So he kept him from sinning against God, but also from sinning against Sarah. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So, Abimelech arose early in the morning <laughs> and called all his servants. This is the dream is in the night, so he rises up early, probably didn't sleep, um, and told all these things to their hearing. And the men were greatly frightened. <laughs> Then Abimelech called Abraham and said, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought upon me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What have you encountered that you have done this thing? Abraham said, Because I thought surely there is no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she's actually as my sister, the daughter of my father but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is a kindness which you will show to me everywhere we go. Say of me, he is my brother. Abimelech then took sheep, oxen, <laughs> male and female servants, and gave them to Abraham, get out now, and restored his wife Sarah to him. Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Settle wherever you please. To Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it is your vindication before all who are with you and before all the men you are cleared. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maid so that they bore children. For the Lord had cl fa closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So that, ladies is our God. 
when people let us down, our God takes care of us. And, and what do we? why did he do this? We learn in 1 Peter 3, because Sarah put her hope in God. It was not in men. <coughs> Genesis 21. Now, you just have to think that if you're close to the promise of God coming to pass, the devil is going to try to take it away, right? And you need to be on your guard. Genesis 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah. And you know, when I read that story of her being taken into the harem, first of all, I think, wow, she had to be really, really hot at 90 to be taken into a king's harem. But I think that would be so scary. And so many things that Sarah went through in her life were so scary. Leaving home, leaving her family, so scary. And here she is. It says God took note of her. Now, I don't think that means he hadn't noticed her before. But God has this weird timing that is so much longer than ours. Have you ever noticed that? Our timing is a lot quicker than God's, and God's is really slow. And it says God took note of her, and it was as if he was saying, yes, it's time. It's time. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. This is Genesis 21, verse 2. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears me will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. Now at that point, there's some more things that happen. And um, Ishmael is finally, Ishmael and Hagar are, you know, they, they leave and they're off on their own because of the way they were mocking Isaac. And Abraham makes a covenant with Abimelech. Um, and then there's the whole sacrifice thing. I find it interesting that Abraham got up <laughs> before it was dawn or early in the morning. I can't remember which it says. But there he is up early. So I'm hoping that Sarah never knew anything about that until <laughs> it was over. <laughs> because <laughs> that would be another really hard thing. Um, but maybe she did. I don't know. Um, it's Genesis 23. It says, now Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Hebron's a beautiful, beautiful place. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Abraham buries Sarah. He mourns for her. And then years go, and then he sends for a wife. And, and there's that whole story of Rebecca, and I'm not going to go into it, but I just want to read you this one verse at the end of Genesis 24. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. 
It was actually three years after his mother's death that Rebecca finally got back. And I just think that, because he, he was 40 when he married, and when he um, married um, Rebecca, and he was 37 when she died, when Sarah died. And I know by this that not only did God give Sarah the promise, but that she had a very warm, loving relationship with her son. Because three, three years later, her son, his son still was mourning for her. And Rebecca, his wife, comforted her with her love. And that says to me that all of those really hard things, all of those mistakes that she made, in the end, they didn't matter because God really poured out his blessing on her. And I want you to remember that because what I walked away from this was saying, so often we feel disqualified because of something we've done. But the promises of God are irrevocable. They are irrevocable. And God is not done. And all I could think of is why did it have to be Isaac? Because God loved Sarah. Why did it have to be Isaac? Because God loved Sarah. And he was just as determined to make her the mother of many nations as he was to make Abraham the father of many nations. And that's why Ishmael was not enough. So I want you to remember that because Sarah is hidden from view except for that spotlight we see in 1 Peter 3. But in God's eyes, she was never, ever hidden from view. So... Anyway, I hope that this was a blessing to you, and I hope that these truths will sit in your heart and you'll be able to pull them out and remember how much you're loved. So I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Father, I bless these ladies in the name of Jesus. I ask, Father, that you would pour out your love, your comfort, and I just pray protection over the promises that you've given these ladies that the devil would not be able to come in and create an Ishmael, that the devil would not be able to come in and at the last minute try to steal it. I just thank you, God, that you love Sarah, and I thank you that you love us. You are awesome. You are amazing, and we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.